Let's pray. Father God, as we come before your word, I'd ask you to open our hearts. Open our hearts to hear what's in your word for us today, individually, corporately. Lord, that we might point people toward you, that we might make those introductions. Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might draw us closer to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, So what we're going to talk about is, but God, religion versus relationship. Interesting enough, we serve a God who likes big butts. One T, not two. And that's a quote from Pastor Ken Schultz in uh, Crosswinds Church where, we, where my family used to go to church up in Illinois. In fact, what we're going to see is, today is that God has been butting into his story since the beginning, because he started history, and it still continues to this day to butt into our lives. And his purposes are for his glory and for his people to redeem them and bring us back into relationship with him. What we're going to see today is that but God appears in the Bible over 48 times in many ways in different, different versions. Good news, we're not going to cover all 48 of those. Um, we'd be here till tomorrow or at least another hour. Um, we're going to take a look at some key examples, and if you're interested, you can do an online Google search to tarse out the rest. Um, we're going to start with Jonah, uh, a little slight plug. If you're not familiar with Jonah, we're covering him in a quipping class, and I thank Bill for uh, filling in for me today. Um, but we're going to look see how God butts into the story of Jonah. Jonah was a uh, minor prophet in the Old Testament. So if you want to flip back with me to Jonah in the Old Testament, he's kind of what, before Micah and after Obadiah. or hmm, You probably won't have a hard time finding that one, just after Daniel. But it's also going to be either in your Bibles or up on the screen. Kind of follow along with me. We're going to start with Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amatite, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. See, often in our lives, we're like Jonah, and we've fled from the Lord in many different ways. But notice in verse 4 there, but the Lord hurled, this, hurled the wind at the sea. That didn't just come up on its own. It wasn't just some kind of incidence or it was a God incidence. God made it happen. See, God is intervening in Jonah's life because Jonah's running from God's call. Go preach repentance to the Ninevites. Well, why is Jonah running? I mean, isn't that a good thing to do? Well, Jonah's running because he believes God will be merciful to them, as we'll read later in the story. And just as he was merciful to the Israelites. See, the problem for Jonah was that didn't fit his religion. Jonah just thought that God was only for the Israelites. He had forgotten that God had promised through Abraham to bless the peoples of the world. So Jonah didn't realize God was trying to do a new thing here. And many many times in our lives, sometimes we forget God's trying to do do a new thing either in our own lives or in the lives of those he loves. 
things. Maybe they don't look necessarily like us. But this isn't the first time we see God butting into our human experience for his glory and often for our own correction. Flip with me, will, if you will, back to, John, to Genesis, the book of beginnings. Genesis chapter 1 has us see the story of creation. God made everything and it was all good. In fact, God, after he made man, said, it is very good. And then he rested. And we get a retelling of the story in verse 2. God fills in some of the details for us. Wow, we're doing really good. And then we get, as we all know, to chapter 3, the darkest day in, in Scripture. When Adam and Eve are deceived by the serpent, and there was one command in chapter 2, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, guess what? Satan tempted Adam and Eve, and they listened to him, and they ate, and they knew that they were naked, and then they ran and hid. But then let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. After they hid, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself. See, even Adam knew that sin puts a barrier between us and God. It makes us ashamed. But here's the wonderful news. Our God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He knew where Adam and Eve already were. God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knew what they had already done. In fact, as we read in, in Psalm 139, he knows our days before they're written. He knows our actions before they're done. He even knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin when he created them. God is also holy, set apart, sinless, and perfect, and incorruptible. So he couldn't have sin in his presence. But yet here he is calling out to Adam and Eve, where are you? Why? Because he wanted them to recognize their own sin. And he wanted to start the process of reconciling that relationship. He knew where they are. He knew what they had done. His heart was broken, but he already had a plan of redemption. Notice that when he talks um, just above or just after we read this, God talks to the serpent before he cast Adam and Eve out of, out of the Garden of Eden because they couldn't be with him anymore because they had sinned. He said to the serpent, I will put an enmity between you and the woman and, I, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. There's the first reference to Christ coming as our Redeemer and Savior, that he was going to fix what we had already broken. In fact, what we see throughout the rest of the Bible is we see how God is initiating and restoring our relationship. What does budding have to do with religion and relationship? So we started to talk about where God butts into our world for his glory, but how relevant is that to you and I? Well, it's very relevant because God is both butting in, both in the general 
kind of corporate, kind of like what we see here in Adam and Eve, where he's already putting Jesus in, play, Jesus in, in his role as our Savior. But it's also personal. He called out to Adam and Eve, where are you? Just as he calls out to each one of us. But let's define a couple quick terms here. Religion. What do we mean when we say religion? Religion is the service and worship of a God or supernatural. A commitment or devotion to religious faith or observance. A personal set or institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices. Notice it's not personal. It's only just a, a set of rules. Whereas relationship is the state of being related or interrelated. The relationship connecting or binding participants in a relationship such as kinship. A specific set of kinship or instance of type of kinship and a state of affairs existing between those having relations or dealings and romantic or passionate attachment. You know, as Christians, that term originally came up. Uh, we see it first in Acts. And it was to be referred to as little Christians or Christ followers or worshipers of Jesus. Note, it wasn't about little church attenders, little church followers, worshipers of church. As to see, church won't save you. Church didn't die for you. Coming to church on a Sunday may mean you have religion, but it doesn't mean you have relationship. Also, not coming to church on Sunday morning doesn't mean you have somehow lost, maybe even or hampered relationship. You know, many of us go out to eat often. Um, but just because you had a, a cheeseburger at McDonald's doesn't make you an employee or, for that matter, even a, a cheeseburger. Um, it's about relationship. We're called to eat on Christ and take him into our lives and, and become one with him and have a relationship. Not just, you know, pay our $5.29 and get a, a Big Mac. Um, let's take a little deeper look at this. Let's go over to Ephesians. It's a study we did in the spring, kind of part of the, gen, the, uh, the beginning part of this. Ephesians chapter 2. We see another big but God in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And put your name in here as I read this, please. And you... We're dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." Notice that we were dead. Can dead things do anything? My wife and I, we have black thumbs. Our plants die all the time. Why? Because they can't water themselves. They, they, they sit on a shelf, they look nice and pretty for a while, but then they can't water themselves and they die. Trust me, we had friends give us some, uh, uh, some plants. Oh, these can't die. Mm, yes, they can. 
because they can't water themselves. They can't, they're not in relationship. They can't scream out to us, hey, over here, give me some water. So they died. Just like we die in our trespasses and sin. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By the grace you have been saved, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the results of works, which God prepared beforehand so that you should walk in them. God is budding into our lives to show his personal grace for each one of us. Notice there, God was rich in mercy to the dead, that even when we are dead in our trespasses, he makes us alive together within Christ. By the grace you have been saved. It was God's good grace. Did God have to save us? No. He is God, the Father, Son. They are complete. They don't need us to be more complete. But yet he chooses to, out of his grace, show love and favor to us. He wants a relationship with you. He wants that relationship. Why? Why would God want that if he doesn't need, need to be more complete? Because so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness. So when he looks out on creation and in the heavenly places, he can look at each one of us and say, look at Caleb. Look at Cody. Look at Neil. Look at what I pulled them out of. Look at Jonah. Look at all the Old Testament people who believed in Christ. Look at what he, the good work he's done. God has chosen to work in our lives. And we are honored to be part of that. Here's another way to think about it. Religion is a person sitting in church thinking about fishing, maybe, maybe plugged into something else, and spending their time checking the box. They're present in the room, but absent in spirit, where we're called to a relationship. And when relationship is that person at work who's dealing with an angry customer whose cheeseburger was made wrong and trying to comfort the person and yet at the same time recognizing that the reason they're so ticked off isn't because the cheeseburger was made wrong but it was because something must be wrong at home because they start really going off on them. Or maybe it's because their coworker who made the cheeseburger wrong, they're so distracted because their spouse just left them and they're trying to think of how they're going to comfort them after shift. And maybe share the word of God with them. February of last year, Jamie did a sermon series on the Sermon of the Mount. 
from Matthew 5 through 7. In that series, Jamie took a look at that, at the whole sermon, and he showed us how God looks not just at the outward, but God is looking at the inward, at our motivations. Follow with me, if you will. Matthew 5, 21. You have heard it said of old that you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable for judgment. Religion. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable for judgment. Relationship. Religion, a set of rules. Relationship, that's a higher set of rules, isn't it? Because it recognizes oftentimes those rules are just the externals, but they're driven out of the internals. Matthew 5.27, you have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Ten commandments, religion outward. But I say to you, Jesus speaking here, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Relationship. God's looking at what's going on in the inside, at our in, inward motivations. Or are you at church because it checks a box? Or are you at church because you want to worship the Almighty God? See here, Jesus is defining the points between religion and relationships. And just in case you think, I'm stepping on your toes today, it's not me. Jesus was stepping on, your, on the toes back then. Jesus, in the, in, Jesus was doing a healing as recorded in Mark 3, verses 1 through 6. Again, he, he being Jesus, entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see, what, to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, they in this case is the Pharisees, so that they might accuse him. Why would they want to do that? Well, let's find out, because he was breaking what they wanted. And Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said, to, he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to harm, to save a life or to kill? They were silent. He looked around him at anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored, and the Pharisees went out. And immediately held counsel with Herodians against him on how to destroy him. See, Jesus was breaking down the barriers of religious boundaries in his own day. Because he was more about relationship. Now, yes, we need rules within relationship. We need boundaries. But when we see relationship, those boundaries are set even higher because they're inscribed in our hearts. They're just not outward, thou shalt not kill. No, thou shalt not hate. Thou shalt not commit adultery. No, thou, thou shalt not lust. See, Jesus was taking on the authorities of the day of the religious. Quite honestly, he's taking on the authorities of the religious today too. Because oftentimes we set up our boundaries over who we think should be saved, who we think should be good. And it doesn't meet our, our viewpoint. Or we came to church, I must be good, right? I know for me growing up, a set of beliefs I was in, you came to church on Sunday, maybe you'd go to some other service, and, and that was good, right? Eventually, kind of did enough, oh, I got this little confirmation card. We're good, now we only need to go twice a year, Christmas and Easter. Someone calls us Christers. Um, 
Only one problem with that, that was just about religious sets of rules. I quickly recognized that that wasn't for me and I walked away from that. I didn't need that. If that's twice a year, what, what does that mean to me? Well, then I got to college and I recognized that things were quickly falling apart. My girlfriend at the time didn't appreciate the fact that I threw things at her when I was upset. Gee, I can wonder why. Because I was, an Ir- I was a good Irishman and Irishmen get angry and when we get angry we throw things. Well, that wasn't working so well, and eventually she was trying to get me off this bad habit because she kind of liked the boyfriend. In fact, at one point, even one person told her to ditch the guy because I was a bad influence. They said, well, he's meeting with my pastor. Maybe we can give this a little bit of time. Well, sure enough, after about a month of being challenged to come to, come to church, get to talk to her pastor and things like that, God got a hold of me and said, how's this working out for you? How's this anger thing working out? What are you angry about? Well, I mean, like all of us, I had issues. And I was running from them. I was trying to suppress them and everything else, but occasionally they'd boil up. That was great. God asked me, how's it going? And I had to be honest with him and said, not so good, God. God, I need you in my life. I need to repent of my sin and turn from your way. Will you come in and take over? So let me ask you the question today as you sit here and listen. Are you here for religion? Or are you here for a relationship? In John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, in, believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. See, Jesus didn't come into the world to make bad people good. He came into the world to make dead people alive. Today, there's a chart up, religion versus relationship. I know growing up, I felt distant from God. I didn't know intimacy with God. I went to church because it was the responsible thing to do, not because there were opportunities to serve him, to help others know him. I believed in, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. I went, I did the required things. But in a relationship, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. My motivations were based on fear and insecurity, not on grateful joy. For I thought salvation must be earned. I didn't know. I hadn't been taught that salvation was a gift. See, religion is a sin management system. As long as you do the right things and have the outward, it all seems to be going good. Mm, That doesn't work so well. But when we can start a brand new life without guilt and shame because it's been nailed to the cross and bring our sins and transgressions to the cross... They can be put away. So today as we close, I ask you to consider what have you been believing about God, about Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit? Are they something distant and removed? Something to be ultimately feared? Is Christianity and just an insurance card? Or is it a vibrant relationship built on reverence? 
intimacy and worship. Let's close in prayer. As your eyes are closed, just I want you to think about the introductions that were made today, about a God who butts into history and wants to butt into each of our lives. Maybe someone drug you here today, or maybe you came out out of a sense of just obligation. I've got to be there, otherwise I, I didn't check that box today. God wants a deeper relationship with you. God came in the form of a man, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for each of our sins. And today he wants to start a relationship, not just religion. He wants to help you turn from your sins and help you start the process of walking a brand new life. Will there be stumps along the way? Yes. Do we know it all? No. But today God wants a new life. And if that's you today, I pray you'd find someone in the room, come up to the altar and pray. Do business with the Lord. If you've, maybe you know the Lord and maybe, maybe that relationship isn't as vibrant as it once was. Maybe you need to come up to the altar and, and just confess to him what's going on in your life. I can't speak for you. I can only speak for me. I want to make the introductions. And I know at times, for me, and for many in this room, our, our faith has become dry, stale. It's been more about the obligations and not about the opportunities. If, that's, if there's some business you need to do, I pray you'd come up here. At your seat, whatever you need to do, pray you'd find time to give God the worship that he's due. Ask him to come into your life and change it anew, afresh. In Jesus' name.